0: Mother's Day uh, to all of you moms in the house and those of you, we say with motherly hearts because we really want to celebrate just people who care about people. You care for one another, you love each other, and you're just awesome. So we celebrate you today. Thank you for being here. You know, some people don't like to uh they like, ask, why do we always make women preach on Mother's Day? It's their day to be celebrated. Why do we make them work? And I'm like, man, it's such an honor any time that I get to bring the word. And today I do have a word that I feel that God has laid on my heart for you, and I'm so excited uh, to, to share it with you. So one of the most common gifts that we receive on Mother's Day are flowers. How many of you in the house received flowers this morning? Only if Only some of you. I am really shocked. That's how it was in the first service, too. Like, I thought flowers were just like what everybody got. Apparently not. So I hope you got something and that somebody has at least given you a card or a hug or told you how amazing, how loved, how seen you are today uh, if you didn't get a flower. I did get a flower today, and it is, like, the most beautiful orchid I think I have ever seen in my life. I don't know how they come up with the colors they come up with. Uh, I don't know if they, like breed them or if that is just completely god's handiwork um either way it's beautiful and amazing so i'm very grateful for what my family gave me this morning you know i've received anywhere in my lifetime of being a mother i've received potted plants i have received fresh cut flowers which those don't last near as long as a potted plant Um, I have even received, uh, we will sometimes do all of our gardening for the year, like by what we would put in a planter and things like that. We'll sometimes do that for Mother's Day. Um, I've seen all different kinds of things, and I just love flowers. They're beautiful. They smell beautiful. They look beautiful. A lot of flowers are grown in a garden, and gardens can be anywhere, you know, from the beautiful flowers to the food we eat, uh, you know, the tomatoes and cucumbers and lettuce things like that food we eat if it's my garden it's the food that the animals and the bugs and the weeds eat Uh, that's what it looks like for me but you know maybe you're a great gardener and you get to reap the benefits of all those great things in a garden they're awesome so this time of year uh, a lot of people start thinking about planting their gardens they start thinking about planting their flower beds. Um, especially here in Ohio, you know, it's freezing cold. We pretty well jump from winter to summer, and spring is kind of like intermixed in there. And so, you know, it will be like 50 degrees, and then all of a sudden it's like 70 or 80. You know, we have that taste in there. And all of a sudden everyone like rushes to the store and is like, it's time! Summer has arrived! We can plant all the flowers and we can do all the things. And so you do. Or I, I mean, I have. Maybe you're smarter than I. But I buy them and, you know, we plant them. And I'm like, oh, look how beautiful it is. Three days later, it snows. And you're like, I just killed all my flowers. Or you try to cover them up like they say to do. They're like, it's fine. You can plant them if it's freezing out. You just cover them with a blanket or you wrap it in burlap or whatever. I'm like, okay, so you try to do that. And the next day, my plants are brown and they're smushed, and I'm like, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, because Ohio tricks us sometimes with our weather. Someone told me once that they had to wait till after their birthday, which I think is at the end of May. They're like, I just make it to my birthday, and then I know I can plant plants. So hopefully you know that, and you have waited. If not, good luck to you as you try to protect your plants from the terrible weather, because it's completely unpredictable. Um, I've tried to plant gardens many, many times, and it just never seems to work out real well. Um, I have also tried to uh, take care of houseplants, and that does not always go as well either. I should probably only have fake plants, because then I think I can keep those alive, unless my dog jumps on the table and eats it, in which case fake plants have no hope either. So I brought a few of my plants from home today, because I just wanted to give you um, an example of pretty well how terrible of a gardener I am, okay? So I'm just telling on myself today. I told you I got an orchid for uh, Mother's Day today. Well, this orchid is the orchid I was given last Mother's Day. You will notice there are not any orchids on it, Uh, but somehow this orchid is still living. Um, Normally, by this point, the stalks are brown and I can just pluck them out and I just have a beautiful pot to put like keys and things like that in, but this year, It sits by my bed, and occasionally I just like like just dump a little water in it. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it'll come alive. And this year, there is a little bitty leaf sprouting by itself down here, and I know that it's new because it doesn't have dust on it like the rest of them. So then I have this one. This plant sits in my bathroom um, in the middle of my house, which the first thing you can think of is, well, then it receives absolutely no sunlight. So this plant, I think it is alive, but we do not know because um, my son had pulled one of these stalks out a couple months ago. And as he then carried it around the house for the next couple months, it did not turn a different color than the color it is right now. So I might be watering a already dead plant. I'm not sure. Um, Okay, so this one, this one has nothing in it because it is dead. Uh, This was my succulent that a wonderful person, um, neighbor of ours, gave us. They home grow lots of plants, and they do a beautiful job. So he gave us this huge succulent. I mean, it filled this pot, so it was ginormous, and it was awesome. Um, Succulents are supposed to be fairly hard to kill because they don't need much. Um, I let it out, set it outside. He gave us very strict instructions, and I don't think I followed any of them. Um, So it sat outside, which means it received way too much water, because succulents don't need very much water, they're desert plants, so hence why you shouldn't be able to kill them. So it sat outside, it did great all summer, so it did not hate all the water, what it did hate was when it snowed, and I had not brought it inside yet. I left this poor desert plant out in the snow all winter long, which would be why there's now just like dead succulent, and it is now Chandler's rock garden. So there's that. Okay, two more. This one, um, from a distance, looks great. If you look up close, you'll see all of the cut marks and stuff because said child, who is now the rock garden and has swords, um, also cut this one all up. So there's like slice marks and stuff. But I water this one because it's within my site all the time, and it has beautiful new leaves growing. So it's doing fine. This one, however, this is my prized possession. Um, Isn't it beautiful? I think they're supposed to grow long, so mine's probably not getting enough water to do that, but it is at least alive and it looks nice. Um, So this one, a couple months ago, I guess I had forgot to water it for a while and it was sitting up on a shelf and I noticed one day that the whole plant was like wilted, you know, a couple of them were yellow Um, but it was just wilted and like really sad looking, and I showed my husband, I'm like, I think I might have killed it, but it's okay, because this plant has a lot of grace, Um, it, it forgives me for apparently abusing it, and so I was like, let me just open the windows, we'll give it some sunshine, and I'll give it a little water, and I think it'll be okay, so I did. I poured the water in. Within a few hours, the thing had lifted itself back up, and it was just beautiful. This plant loves me, and I love it. So um, those are my plants that I have at home. Um, I do not, however, set a very good intention at taking care of my plants. I, well, I set good intention, but I'm not very intentional, and I want my plants to grow. I want them to look good. I want to have all that, but I don't take the time to really understand what they need uh, in order to grow and in order to live and do what they should. For plants to properly grow, they have to be placed in the right soil and be given the right amount of light and the right environment. They need to be watered properly. They, They need the right soil. If they're not given the proper soil or the right amount of care, then the seed will not grow. The plant cannot grow how it should. We see this in the parable of the sower, and I'm not going to camp there today, but if you remember at all of the parable of a sower, you know that they, the farmer scattered seed and it, the seed landed on all different kinds of soil, but it only grew well in the soil that was right for it. Not the rocky soil, not the one that had weeds where they'd get choked out. It had to be the right soil in order for the plant to grow and to thrive. So this would be where a greenhouse would be incredibly effective. Because rather than just planting the seed, which we have done at our house recently, um, as you will see if you come out to our house next week, we've got some spots in the yard because we're still trying to grow grass from when we added onto the house. Uh, So there's some spots in the yard that need grass. So we threw grass seed down. And then this week, we got like two inches of rain. And it has now washed most of that seed away. So hopefully some of it's stuck and it's growing and it'll fill some holes, but it, it didn't do as good as it, it could have and we really had wished it had. But if you're planting a plant just straight onto the ground, it doesn't do as well if you just plant the seed. It does way better if you have planted it in a greenhouse first and have allowed it to grow roots. You've allowed it to grow it up a little in order to plant it then in the ground where it has a better chance of surviving the weather. Can I say today that you and your home are a greenhouse for the Lord? That every person who is in your home, every person who enters your home, every person who comes into contact with you should be able to see Jesus through you because of who he is in your life. You are a greenhouse. When I was thinking about a greenhouse, I wanted to look up the, what a greenhouse was. I didn't really need to know what the definition of a greenhouse was because you know that a greenhouse is a place where plants grow. You know that a greenhouse is made out of glass or plastic or whatever. Um, we, we kind of know what it is, but I wanted to understand what the purpose of a greenhouse was. So I looked it up, and this is what it said online. The purpose of a greenhouse is to magnify the light of the sun while protecting plants from freezing temperatures. To magnify the light of the sun and to protect from freezing temperatures. Your home and your life should be a place where the light of Jesus is magnified, a safe place to protect those in it from the harsh world outside. You are preparing the seed to stand strong when it gets planted out in the world. That is our goal as Christians for every person that we know. So today we're going to take a look at what it means to do this. We're going to be today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. It says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. If my home is to be a place where the light is magnified, and it should be a place of protection and safety from the world around us, how do I cultivate that type of environment for my family? How do I make sure that my home, that my life is that place for the people who I come into contact with? because my job is to cultivate the soil, it's to water the garden, it's to magnify the light, and then God will bring the growth. We do our part and God will do his. So we're gonna take a look a little deeper into this and see what exactly does that mean. That's great, so we wanna be a greenhouse, how do we do that? The first thing that we need to do is we need to cultivate the soil. What's that mean? It means our own prayer life and our own personal walk with God. Because if our soil's not ready, like I started with, then the seed can't plant there. We are not gonna be a good place for a seed to grow, for a plant to grow, if we don't have the foundation set. The soil has to be cultivated, fed, stirred up. You need to get the rocks out. We have to do the hard work to make a proper place for the seed. So how do we do that? The first thing we need to do is pray. We need to have prayer. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 17 says to pray without ceasing. That means to always pray, to always have prayer on our mouths, to always have prayer in our minds, on our hearts, that we live a life that is looking to Jesus and is asking him for help. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. I'm going to read this here in a second. This is the Lord's prayer. This is the Lord telling us what is important about prayer, why we should pray, how we should pray, and some, how we should not. Beginning in verse 5, it says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The prayers you pray are not made for public acknowledgment. It's not made to be seen. It's not made to be heard. It doesn't have to be eloquent and beautiful. Your prayers just have to be real. I've heard a couple times after I've prayed for somebody, um, someone will be like, that was just such a beautiful prayer. Thank you. And I know their hearts are really good. And so I don't dismay that at all. Um, But that prayer makes no difference than if I have just prayed, Lord, heal this person. Because it has nothing to do with what I say. It has everything to do with what I believe. And the faith that I have doesn't have to be pretty. Just be real. Your prayers can be crying out to God when you're in your darkest time of need. When you need help. When you don't know what to do. When you don't know where to go. When you're not sure what direction to take. You can be honest and open with the Lord. And that's what he wants. Because it's not about looking beautiful on the outside, it's about what's happening on the inside. And he wants our our honest prayers. Goes on to say, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Think a little bit, what are the people that are in your home seeing from you? Are they seeing somebody who on Sunday is like lifting their hands in worship and they, they, they pray and they say all the things and they do all the things? Are they seeing that same person then at home? Are they, or Are they seeing someone who's angry, someone who's bitter, someone who lacks patience, kindness, goodness? Because who we are in public, we also want to be seen in private because people know they recognize those things in our lives. That's how we want to be. But then it goes on to say how we should pray. It says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When you don't know what to pray, if you don't even know where to start, start there. You can pray each and every one of those, and I believe in time then that will expand and it will grow. And these are the things that God wants you to pray for, to pray like that. And he's going to move, and he's going to do something. It's going to begin to cultivate your soil. Another thing that's really important, so we pray, but we also need to be in the word of God. Reading the word is necessary for life. So I was actually looking just yesterday and I came across a post on Instagram that talked about the benefits of reading your Bible daily. Listen to a couple of these things. It says feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. By reading your Bible every day, those things in your life get better. But also it says that sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. Why? Because you're putting into you something that you cannot help putting out. Like when you have this relationship with Jesus that's just growing, like you're going to tell people about him. You're going to want to share it because you're so in love with him, and he's speaking to you because the word of God is living and active. It is still alive today. It's still irrelevant today, and it will speak to you if you'll allow it to. Deuteronomy chapter 8, the second half of verse 3 says that man does not live by bread alone. We can have all the food we want in the world. We can have all the house of Japan in the world. Can I get an amen? Come on. Um, I can have all of that, but it's not going to be enough. It will, I will always find myself empty and missing something. It goes on to say, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's where we find our sustenance. That's where we find our strength is through the word of God. So we need to pray, we need to be reading our Bible, and we also need to be in relationship with others. If you're here at Radiant Life for any period of time, you will know that we believe in community, we believe in family, we believe that we're better together, and that we need each other to grow, we need each other to do life. It says in Proverbs 27 verse 17 that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. If you are never with another believer then how are you going to have someone to keep you accountable? You don't, I mean, I guess you don't need that, but your life's going to be a whole lot better if you do. And so getting involved in a life group, asking someone out for coffee, having someone come, I don't know, go on a run with you or something, if that's fun for you, you could do that. But whatever it is, find connection with people because it matters in order to grow and to become who God wants us to be. We have to be in relationship with others. In 1 Peter 4, 8, it also says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. People really annoy you, and maybe you're not in great relationship with anybody. Because when we're in relationship with somebody, then we're able to overlook, not, not like sin, like they're doing something wrong, but like the sins maybe they commit to us right the dirty look they gave or the mean thing that they said or the time they didn't invite us out when they invited somebody else out when we truly love people then we're able to look beyond those things and continue relationship where maybe it would be hard if we weren't building that relationship in the first place community is necessary for our growth encouragement prayer accountability we're better together so we need to be strong in our relationship with God so we can pour ourselves out to those around us. We need to be in the word, we need to pray, and we need to be in relationship with one another. That's how we cultivate the soil. That's how it gets fed. That's how we get it cleaned up so that we can have a proper ground to, be, to plant in. The second thing that we need to do is we need to water the garden because if you just have the soil, then that's not gonna be enough. We need to water it. We need the Holy Spirit. Corey Ten Boom says, trying to do Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. We need a Holy Spirit in order to, to live our life, in order to minister, which is what each and every one of you is in your homes and to the people you come into contact with. I might be up here and speaking to you on a Sunday morning, but what you do on a daily basis to those around you is more effective ministry than anything I can do standing up here. And you need the Holy Spirit in order to do that well. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 15 says, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. And just before this, it was telling the women what they needed to do, like the work that they needed to be doing um, in their life to make things better, like to make things good. It says to do that until the spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, what was barren and desolate before is now full of life and fruitfulness. True fruitfulness comes from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, what was good before, a fruitful field miraculously becomes even better, a forest. I just planted some roses in um, some pots in our house and upon study of what happens to plants in my house this might be a bad idea but i am determined this year that i'm going to help these roses grow so i've read a little about them i've read what they need and how i need to take care of them in order to make them grow and so one of the things that it recommended was buying plant food and feeding it this plant food so I was like, well, okay, cool. So why do I really need that? Because, you know, they seem to be growing just fine. Like, they're beautiful. I've seen roses places. We don't feed the roses out front of the church, and they're great. So I'm like, okay, so why? So I read the back of it, and it says the reason why, it's to give it an extra nutrient, but also then it helps it have more and bigger blooms who doesn't want more flowers and more beauty and more good smell you would do it for trees we should probably do it for our fruit trees um, on our property so that we have bigger fruit nicer fruit but my point is is that when we plant like those plants can grow just fine my fruit is going to have some fruit my flowers are going to have flowers whether I feed them the food or not but it's going to make them better it's going to make them even better. So do you need the Holy Spirit? I mean, I would say yes, but no, you, you will be fine like not having the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out in your life. But it's going to be way better if you have it. Because when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to do, then the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and leads you and guides you. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. This chapter goes on to tell us what blessings come from the Spirit. In verses 16 through 20, it says, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And it will hail when the forest falls down, and the city will be utterly laid low. Happy are you who sow beside all waters, who let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free. Happy are you who sow beside all waters. Oh, I read that already. Okay, sorry. does um, it say we receive? We receive justice, righteousness, peace, quietness, and assurance forever. When the spirit is poured out among his people, this is what it's like. If it means that when we lack these things, then we can pray and ask for them. If you're lacking peace, if you're lacking assurance about where you're at or what you're doing, if you're, you're lacking justice that you need to see happen, then ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ask for more. We can never receive too much of Holy Spirit. Ask him and he'll pour it out. It also says that you'll dwell in peaceful habitation and secure dwellings, though hail comes down on the forest and the city is brought low in humiliation. When God's Spirit is poured out, we live on a principle that is higher than our circumstances." If others feel the pelting hail or are brought low in humiliation, it doesn't matter to those who are blessed out or who are poured out by the Spirit of God. When we have the Holy Spirit poured out in our life, then we, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. It doesn't mean, I mean, we all live through some pretty crazy circumstances over the last couple of years. It doesn't mean you're not going to have those things happen, but it does mean that you rise above them, that you're protected because you have the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit poured out in our life. We have to water the garden. You have to water the seed in order for the seed to grow. You have to get your soil ready. And lastly today, you have to magnify the light. John chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 9 say, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Then jump over to Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are to be a light that shouts, Jesus. That light makes Jesus bright in the world. Says Jesus is the light that gives you life. And then you are the light of the world that shines Jesus to all the world. We need the light. When you come into contact with others, then the light of Jesus should rub off of you because you've been spending so much time with him that it just falls off of you to the people around you. If we do our part and we cultivate the soil, if we do our part and we water the garden and ask for the Holy Spirit, if we do our part and we magnify the light, we grow in him and we allow his light just to shine, it's going to radiate and it's going to help our plants to grow. Each person we come into contact with, each person who lives in your home is going to, to thrive because of the work that you're putting in, in your greenhouse. Let's jump back to our scripture passage that was at the beginning, 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to focus on verses 6 and 7 where it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We watered, we did our job, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. I want you, if you received a plant when you walked in today, if you didn't, grab one on your way out. But if you do have it, would you take it out, and I want you to hold it in your hand, and I want you to look at it, and I want you to think about the people who live in your home, your kids, your spouse. Think about their friends, your friends who come into your home. Think about the people who you come into contact with in the grocery store or in your job, when you're at the park, whatever it may be, think of those people. This is those people. God brings the growth. We do our part. God does his. We make it so when this little plant gets moved from the greenhouse and gets planted out in the field, that it has every chance possible to thrive and to live and to be what it's supposed to be. That when that little plant goes to college, that it's ready. When that little plant's at work or they're with their friends, that they're firmly established because you've cultivated your soil, because you have watered them with the Holy Spirit, because you've let the light of Jesus shine in your home and in your life. You can't control the outcome when this plant gets planted out in the world but the pressure gets off of you because the word says you do your job and God does his. And then the little plant has to respond to God. God will bring the growth. The plant responds. You do your part. He'll do his. So today, as I close out, I want you to think about what's an area that maybe you need to focus on today so that your greenhouse can be a place that a little bit of light can rub off on the people around you, that the Holy Spirit can be poured out, that they know that prayer and the Word of God and relationships with people are important. What area do you maybe need to work on today? So, as I pray, think about those people, think about those things, think about the conversations that you have at your table, think of your spouse, their kids. Your kids, their friends, your greenhouse can have an impact on them all. Every one of them. But you got to make it ready. So will you join me this morning as we pray? Father, I thank you today. God, I thank you for the high calling that you have placed on every one of our lives. God, that you gave us light. You gave us life. And God, may we in return magnify that light to the people around us. May we let you rub off on the people we come into contact with. May we be a light that shines Jesus and proclaims your goodness and your mercy to each person we know. God, I pray you would help us in whatever areas we might need to grow in, whatever things we might need to weed out or get rid of so that we can have a proper place to grow the the plants, Lord, that you've placed in our care. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. God, that you've given us your word. You've given us access to the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would just help us today. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray that you have a wonderful Mother's Day. Celebrate the moms in your life. Uh, if you are a woman over the age of 18, grab a cookie on your way out. They're amazing. If you didn't have a favorite by the ta- this morning when we greeted one another, I hope you have a favorite by the time you leave today. Uh, get one of those. Take a picture at our photo booth. Capture the memories that you have today, your friends, your family. Tag us at radiant.family so that we're able to celebrate with you and see what it is that's happening in your life. And as always, be careful what you watch, be careful what you listen to, and be careful what you talk about today. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a great, great week.